0: Welcome to Wake Up Heavy, my weird dad's weird podcast about weird movies. Hello and welcome back to Wake Up Heavy, Recollections of Horror. This is Mark Begley, your host, and I am throwing together a quick, hopefully quick, bonus episode on the Barbarian Sound Studio, Peter Strickland's film from 2012, which I was inspired to do because of the Suspiria episode yesterday. And this is a movie that I have discussed in passing in numerous episodes previously, and always had a mind to do one of my shorter half hour or so episodes on it at some point, and going through the... The Suspiria episode during editing and and adding some stuff on the end there, it kept popping up. And kind of fortuitously... That doesn't sound right. Fortuitously today, upon waking and checking out Twitter, I saw that the new trailer for Peter Strickland's latest film, In Fabric, was getting promoted quite heavily. So, uh, perfect time to do this, I guess. It's kind of hard for me to believe that it's been probably about five years now since the first time I watched this film. I know I caught wind of it via the internet, either via Facebook through The Nerdist or some other film site that was posting on there. It played a few festivals and did fairly well, got good notice. I watched the trailer and really enjoyed what I saw. When it hit Netflix, I watched it, and this is one of the films, unlike... A few others that I've discussed that I liked right out the gate. This hits my movie wheelhouse in a number of different ways. It harkens back to Italian horror films, which is basically why I'm doing this, and also psychological thrillers, mainly the films of Roman Polanski, that apartment trilogy, quote unquote of Repulsion, Rosemary's Baby, and The Tenant, uh, especially The Tenant, and which is one of my favorite films. And I got this very Polanski-esque feel from the film, and that kind of smashed together with the nods to Italian horror. Just kind of, you know, mm, was perfect for me. The film stars Toby Jones, who is kind of a favorite of mine. I really like him. I actually think he plays a better Alfred Hitchcock than Anthony Hopkins did, and I also think that he played a better Truman Capote than Philip Seymour Hoffman did. Uh, I'm not going to go through the list of all the names of those four different movies, but uh, he was also on, oh, what the heck was that show called? Wayward Pines? which was interesting for the first season and then kind of shit out the second season. He was also in a movie called Kaleidoscope, which was directed by his brother Rupert. That is also a psychological thriller man losing his mind. What's real, what isn't kind of story. That's not nearly as good as Barbarian Sound Studio, but is worth checking out. And he and Rupert Jones are the sons of Freddie Jones, who was in, oh, well, tons of things, but I remember him mainly from his turns in David Lynch films such as The Elephant Man, Dune, and Wild at Heart. Barbarian Sound Studio was Peter Strickland's second film, second full length film. He's done some shorts and some documentaries. His first film, Catalan Varga, I have yet to see. I have not been able to find it anywhere streaming and and or for sale. His third film, The Duke of Burgundy, is another interesting, maybe even less horror film, but still on that psychological bent. A couple of the actresses from Barbarian Sound Studio are in that, and I think... There are some from Duke of Burgundy and or Barbarian Sound Studio in his new film, In Fabric. He also has a segment in a new movie, or new-ish, I think from last year, called The Field Guide to Evil, which is supposed to be pretty good. But In Fabric, In Fabric... That doesn't sound right. In Fabric, from what I've been hearing, is maybe even better than Barbarian Sound Studio. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I don't always... I really try not to buy into the hype of films. It's time for another tangent. Uh, recently, Netflix dropped a movie called The Perfection with Allison Williams. And it played some festivals earlier this year <clears throat> and got a lot of buzz then. And then as as its release date approached... I just kept seeing so much praise for it on Twitter and how batshit crazy it was and all these twists and turns that it had. And so I convinced my wife, who's not nearly as big a horror fan as I am, I wouldn't even call her a horror fan really, but she will put up with me every once in a while and watch one of these. And we watched it and it didn't bother her at all, so it wasn't that batshit crazy And I think we both kind of figured out quite a few of the twists and turns. So, I don't know. I I kind of think maybe a lot of these people don't watch that many Italian horror films because most of what happened in The Perfection I have seen in movies from the 70s and 80s that's just as gross, just as crazy, and just as weird. So, I don't know. So, don't buy into the hype. But, conversely... Everybody kept saying to go into this movie knowing as little as possible, and that is the perfection, not in fabric. And Ronnie and I discussed all this in the Suspiria episode, and I've mentioned it. I'd like to know what I'm getting into, so I will absolutely watch trailers, and I will watch every trailer for In Fabric that they put out, and I will actually post the one that was released today on the show notes for this episode, so look for it there. Okay, so Toby Jones stars as Gilderoy, a sound mixer who has been hired by the great Santini to mix the sound for his new film, The Equestrian Vortex. Upon arrival, Gilderoy is met with dismissiveness or outright rudeness by nearly everyone there. And he is surprised to find out that the movie he is working on is a violent horror film. I think quite now I'll be working on this sort of film. Now, I mentioned in the Suspiria episode that I believed that the movie within a movie that Gilderoy is mixing the sound for takes place in a convent, and it actually takes place in a writing school, uh, thus the equestrian vortex. Uh, But, you know, I had to laugh at a lot of the dialogue that's being redubbed here, and we don't see any—this is the great thing about this movie—we don't get the images of the film, which, for one thing, makes sense for a low-budget movie to not have to go out and shoot this fake footage for the film but it just also leads to the confusing nature of it and all you get is the dialogue that the actresses are dubbing in post-production and it's brutal brutal stuff and it would appear that what's on screen is very gory and so we have witches who are uh, hiding out basically underneath this riding school this horse riding school so that's where, when I think about Suspiria and the witches at the dance school, and here we have just a real subtle change to an um, equestrian school. What, what was, what's an equestrian school called? An equestria? I should probably look that up. We'll just call it an equestria. My little pony, my little pony. And yes, I just realized that that is the name of the magical world that the My Little Pony ponies are from. So that's not the term. Uh, Horse stables, I don't know. I don't know what they're called. Horse riding school, that sounds very clunky. Anyway, so not a dance studio, horse riding school, uh, but we've got witches, a coven of witches, doing horrible, horrible things to these girls. Within the world of the studio itself, we have Francesco Coraggio, who is the brow-beating producer of the film. Who is constantly chiding Gilderoy for his manners and politeness? We have Elena, the uh, secretary, who immediately dislikes Gilderoy. Excuse me. Can you speak? No. There's Massimo e Massimo, the twin, I think, fully artists who are nonverbal and proceed to stab, hack, and slash at melons and squashes and all other sorts of vegetables to obtain the sounds of people being stabbed in the film. And then there's Santini, the director of the film, who insists that it is not a horror film. This is not a horror film. This is a Santini film. And what really makes this movie hit hit my movie wheelhouse so hard is the, the psychological aspect of the film and Gilderoy's loss of identity throughout. Now, he's an Englishman, a reserved Englishman, a slightly nebbish, very introverted man who comes into this world of effusive, extroverted Italians who are... For one thing, speaking in a language that he doesn't understand, and quite often saying things behind his back that he'll never know about, Uh, but they're also just more expressive. Uh, Like I said, the producer is constantly berating him for not being polite, for not asking about things before doing them. He is rude to the actresses that are doing this post-production dubbing, and they're kind of a a film family. They know each other. It's apparent that they've worked with each other in the past. And so he is the ultimate outsider. He's in an unfamiliar country. He is surrounded by language he doesn't understand. He's working on a movie that he'd rather not be working on as far as the content goes. So throughout the film, we have these ideas or images or motifs that keep being repeated that go toward his state of mind. And one of those are letters from his mom back in England. And this whole scenario of these birds um, that are nesting and have laid eggs called chif-chaffs. Now I had to look that up to see what kind of bird. I think it's just a little kind of robin uh, native to the part of England that he's from. And how excited she is to see them hatch. And by the end of the movie, um, the fate of the Chiff Chaffs has come to a horrible end. Uh, we have this whole deal with his plane receipt, his ticket receipt for his flight over that he is trying to get reimbursed for. And it's one of those little frustrations that ends up kind of... Pushing him over the edge. And it makes me think of a Bukowski poem called The Shoelace, where, you know, it's not the big things in life that drive people mad, it's it's the broken shoelace. Like that's the final straw. And so he's constantly being pushed from person to person to handle this problem of his reimbursement. And when he finally musters the courage up to demand his reimbursement, thanks to some uh, pep talk from Sylvia, the basically the only person there that's kind to him in any way, he is informed that there was no such flight. We have the images of the fruit that are used by the Foley artists and, and at times by uh, Gilderoy himself, ...to achieve the cutting and the slicing for the movie... ...they basically just get tossed into a big bin... ...and sit there and rot throughout the movie. At one point, Gilderoy... ...frees a Daddy Longlegs from his... ...little apartment that he's staying in... ...and it kind of shows up throughout the film in different spots. And that's one of the kind of lovely parts of this movie... ...that, again, is reminiscent of The Tenant where we will have these shifts in scenes uh, without cuts, really. I mean, there are cuts, but they're hidden cuts where we are focused on a piece of equipment that Gilderoy is working on either in the studio or in his little flat. And then we pull back to a wider shot and he's in the other location. So either, either way, from studio to apartment or from apartment to studio, And that line gets blurred throughout the movie. There's no real definite space for him to be in. Or the space is indefinite to him because there's studio equipment everywhere. And when he's at home or at the flat reading these letters from his mom, he's actually playing tapes of sounds that he has recorded back home. And there's a whole list of those. Birds chirping, his mom's clock ticking. ...to remind him of home. And the blurred lines between reality or reality of the movie and the movie within a movie are apparent at the beginning of the film... ...after Gilderoy gets to Italy, and I'm not sure what, I'm sure it's supposed to be Rome. The credits come up, and they're not the credits for the film we're watching. They're credits for the movie that he is going to be mixing, The Equestrian Vortex which is kind of a ballsy move for Strickland because I remember thinking the first time I watched it that it would confuse people as to, wait a minute, I thought I was watching a movie called Barbarian Sound Studio with Toby Jones and this is something else entirely. And I mean, you have to give your audience the benefit of the doubt, but I also know that if I got slightly confused by it, then there are going to be people that are going to shut it off thinking they're watching the wrong movie. Within those fake credits, the name of the band that performs the music is Hymenoptera. And I always think in the back of my head, oh, this must be a nod to Goblin. Maybe this is Latin for another kind of creature like that. But it's actually in reference to a species of wasps that lay their eggs in other hosts. So again, there is this idea of hiding, like the witches are hiding in the horse riding school in Equestria. <laughs> my little pony, my little pony. You know, I often see this described as a love letter to Jallo or Jolly. I think that's kind of a misnomer because like Suspiria, this is not a Jallo. It's more of a supernatural horror film and and Jallo are generally murder mysteries. There's a masked killer who usually stabs or slices his victims and Suspiria kind of has a mass killer at one point or another but it's obviously about witches which is supernatural and so this is more along the lines and I think this is why I said I thought it took place in a convent it makes me think of a really crazy movie called Alucarda which is not Italian but still from the 70s that is just batshit bonkers mom don't don't look for that movie on Netflix it's not there and you wouldn't want to watch it anyway but yeah the rest of you if you're a horror nut and you haven't seen Alucarda you need to check it out it's wacky the film that he is working on it's just a small part of the movie it lends it, it could be something else is i guess what i'm trying to verbalize here It doesn't have to be a movie about witches. It could be something else. The main thing is his spiraling loss of identity. And that's where things like The Tenant come up. Even something like Images that I did a brief episode on where we have the main character losing or not, not being able to hold on to what it is that makes them them. And for this character, Gilderoy, it's that reserved English character. You English. Always hiding. And by the end of the film, he has made that turn, much like Tchaikovsky in The Tenant. He has become that thing that he has fought, has been fighting against the whole time. And as Ronnie and I discussed, and as I discussed later on, and kind of why this uh, movie came to mind while watching Suspiria is that whole idea of these this post production dubbing. All of the sound is re recorded after the film has been shot. Dialogue fully and fully is you know background sounds, the music, and everything else is re recorded afterward. They didn't record, and I I think part of this is the studios in Rome were surround they were just they were too noisy even within the studios themselves i don't know if it was because of an airport or just maybe being in an indus- industrial area they typically didn't record sound because it was just too loud around where they were um, it also saves money to not record on set or on location and if you're an audiophile that is another aspect of the movie that just hit, you know, and I'm not necessarily an audiophile as I sit in front of this microphone and say that, but it's very fascinating. The mechanics of the recording, just all the shots of the uh, studio, the mixing board, the rolls of tape, the uh, recorders, the microphones, all that stuff is fascinating to me. So that's another kind of level And most of the re-recording we're shown is the actresses dubbing their lines or dubbing lines for other actresses. They might might not even have been the actresses in the film itself. But there's a couple notable points here. We have a voiceover actress come in and play the part of one of the witches. And then this wonderful guy known as the Goblin. And there's our nod to Suspiria. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and stop here. I wanted to keep this under a half an hour since it's really just a companion piece to the Suspiria episode. And I wanted to end with a little, this was something that I was going to save for the Scala episode that I was going to do for the Patreon page, which crapped out. I had started to do some research after the Eraserhead episode uh, because I talk about the skull in that, and I've mentioned it in other points throughout the Wake Up Heavy episodes. And it's the cinema in London that I, I went to probably the most while I was there and saw some really great movies, including Eraserhead. So I was looking for stuff online, and I came across an article that mentioned Peter Strickland. And I think this was around the time when maybe the first trailer or the first teaser came out for In Fabric, so it all kind of came together at one point. But in the article, he mentions he had seen Eraserhead at the Scala and that he saw it on Saturday, February 10th, 1990. He says, I'd seen the curious poster for the film in various magazines and started buying Time Out, which listed the film's screening at the Scala, he recalls. I knew nothing about the cinema or the film, but there was something alluring about that image of Jack Nance and the way his hair was backlit. I was 16 and it was my first trip to London on my own. And that is the date and the cinema where I saw Head* in London. So I got really excited, and I kind of bashed my own excitement by realizing that there were two playings of the movie that day. And since he traveled in by train, I'm kind of assuming he probably went to the afternoon showing and I went to the evening show. But we both saw Eraserhead on the same day at the same cinema back on February 10th, 1990. So that's kind of a, I don't know, completely irrelevant, but... Sort of fun little uh, side note to, to that wonderful day 29 years ago. All right, thank you very much for stopping by. Hit iTunes, rate and review, wake up heavy. Repost these on SoundCloud if you're on there. If that's an option on Spotify, you can do that. Thanks for stopping by as always and having a listen. And don't forget to wake up heavy.